I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. What's up, y'all? Okay, we're back another Thursday. Another Thursday. So excited about it. It's hot. It's summer. We're through June. Glad to have y'all here. I have the absolute honor of having my first family member on the show. It's like family member, first gen. Okay, so let's let's talk about this again, y'all. To be first generation means that neither of your parents have a four-year degree. So just because he's my cousin, don't mean he ain't first gen, because he is. So I have Sabian Colbert with me today, professionally, but I know him fondly as Sabe. We gonna go with Sabe today or what? We can go with Sabe. We can go with Sabe, cool. All right. He said he ain't too cool. He ain't too cool. Yeah, I ain't too cool. Um, I love it. Well, Sabe is the cool name to me. I've already know Sabe. We ain't gonna talk about what he used to say in childhood. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't gonna do it, but Sabe, thank you for taking time to be here. You all, this guy, I truly, truly admire. He's going to tell you his story, but man, what he has overcome and who he has become, what he has become, it just proof that there are no limits to what we can do with our lives if we put our minds to what it is we want. So say, you know, let's go ahead and jump in. If you will, please tell us your story, who you are, what is it that you do, what you're trying to do. Give us all the juice. All right. Well, thank you Eve, for having me on your show. Just a little backstory. I was born in Panama. Both my parents were in the army for about 20 something years. So we uh we traveled all over the place. I lived in Germany. My mother's from Trinidad. So we visited there a few times. We lived in New York, Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Finally came back to Charlotte where my father was from, settled down. You know, grew up in Charlotte and going through high school, my father had cancer. He passed away, went on to college, went to Salem State University, transferred over to NC State University. And then I took a few semesters off, had my young daughter on the way, and I said, hey, I need to I need to go back to college, I need a degree. Went back to school, finished up in 2011, and from 2011 on to this year, I was working in the pharmaceutical industry. There was no real kind of, there was no gratification in working in the industry. I didn't believe in pharmaceuticals. It is definitely a money-making industry, but it doesn't really help people. Instead of making cures, they're worried about, you know, treatments and making money off of medicine. So up to February this year, I've been working in real estate full-time. Um, I figured that with me getting married and having another daughter on the way with my wife. I needed more flexibility with my schedule. I need to be able to move around. And most importantly, I need to be able to be in front of people. I'm a people person. I love interacting, engaging with people, traveling all over. It's just, it's just that, just working with people. I was able to take, you know, my professional experience in corporate America and take that and just incorporate that into my business as well as my personality. So that's what I do today. I, you know, I sell real estate, help people achieve their goals. And I just, I'm starting to get into mentoring, mentoring young, young adults, 
let them know that there's not just one way in life. You know, I'm 33 now and I feel like now I'm about to start getting to the road to start marking off goals to be successful. My success is measured by my goals I can achieve, not by the money I make. Mm. See, you just kicking off this Black Male series for July in such an incredible way because you said so much. And we got I want I want us to unpack that what you said, period. You told us that one, you've moved all over the place. Yes. Which I, I'm fascinated by because, again, it's the diversity of experiences you've had happened long before people started talking about diversity and inclusion as something, you know, at the forefront. Right. Mm-hmm. But then to say that you had two parents and they were both military. So you were raised in a good home. Yes. And then you decided to go to college, but you went to school, transfer, stop, went back. Mm-hmm. Um People would say, well, you were raised in a good home. Why don't you just go to school and be successful? So what do you say to people who may have had that criticism or, you know, what were you going through or thinking when in spite of the good life that you had, you still had these bouts with what to do when it came to furthering your education? I'm going to be honest, college was never a goal for me in high school. I started working at 15. And so in my senior year of high school, I was still working and I had the opportunity to be a manager of a grocery store. But my mother thought otherwise, and, you know, it was just the whole thing of go to college, get a four year degree and then get a job. I'm like, well, I'm going to college. And, and you know, at that time, I really didn't have a choice. It was kind of like I was forced into it. You know, with my father being in the military, I had a full ride to go using his mm. the VA scholarship. So I was like, hey, I'll go. But, you know, hindsight is always 2020. And if I would have just stuck with my guns, I wouldn't have went to college. I would have just been working. I mean, you're going to college, you're getting a loan to pay for college just to get out and be in debt just to work. I feel like you're starting behind the eight ball. So, I mean, I can't complain about that now. I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. You know, I network, I met a lot of people, learned a lot about myself. And it, it, it does help you grow up. Going to a black college will mature you quick. So <laughs> it will. It will. Yes, it will. It will. When you find out that, oh, uh, my class got dropped, let me go handle this. Let me go handle that. You can't call on your parents. It, it, it does help you to grow up. So I wouldn't have gotten those experiences and be the person that I am without going. But, you know, there, there's different roads you can take. Absolutely. So you touch a little bit, too, on having a child before you actually finish school. Mm-hmm. What I've known, you know, this and we're, we're going to go there a little bit, is that you've even spent some time being a single father. Correct. And let me tell you, you love a person and you family and I have always loved you. But it's like, can you love a person more? And, you know, you get that a lot of times in relationships and marriages, like, you know, with their wife. And I'm like, babe, how can I love you more than I love you now? And something happens. You're like, dang, <laughs> that was one moment of time that I look at you and I'm like, dang, I've always had so much love for him. And I love him more because as a black male in 2019, when people are constantly saying negative things, you know, when y'all are fighting for your lives as, as a society struggle for black men, here you are going for your education, you're raising a daughter mm-hmm. and you are a black male. So let me let me give you a shout out for that. Thank you. But if you can for a minute, speak to our young men who are struggling with fatherhood who may be scared to be fathers and to the men who are single fathers and who are out here, you know, doing the best they can for their children, because that's that's major to me, especially somebody who didn't grow up with my father in my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then you lost your father in high school. So you had to really navigate a lot on your own. Correct. The most important thing is the young men, they have to educate themselves. They have to educate themselves on what laws are important to them and 
they have to understand that it's the best interest of the child. It's not the best interest of them. It's not the best interest of their the, the mother. It's the best interest of the child. Both parents have a right to the child. They both have a right to make sure that the child is safe and raise a child. So a lot of men, and I was the same, we don't want confrontation. We kind of compartmentalize what our relationship was with the mother, and then we separate that from how we feel about our child. That's what makes us great single fathers is because we can focus our energy on the child and deal with the other side on its own. But just to stay focused on the men and fathers, the first step is to just, you need to have a third party come in. So you need to get a lawyer. You need to have that part handled because it just protects the child. It protects you, protects the child and protects your relationship with your child. So yes, you need to do the custody. North Carolina doesn't care. It's the best interest of the child and they want both parents to be in their lives. So you need to have that happen. And that way that'll take the stress. That'll take everything out of what you probably are or were dealing with, with, you know, sometimes I hear it's like, oh, she ain't let me see. No, don't worry about that. Just let the courts handle it. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a little rough or rocky or whatever, but it's for the best interest of the child because you don't want it to appear that you're being absent. There's a lot of fathers now who have custody of their children who are doing their thing and been doing their thing. And, you know, society now is changing to where automatically, you know, the mother was the best fit, quote unquote, best fit person. But now a lot of fathers who are in that role now and all it is is just taking it day by day. We're natural providers, we're natural protectors. So, you know, we're going to make sure we do what's best for our children. If you have little girls, you know, you're going to do even more. <laughs> yep. I can, <laughs> you're going to do even more. A- absolutely. Got to protect the princess, right? Yeah, of course. And so, and what I love too, is that in spite of being a single father, you still found the love of your life Yes. and got married and she is phenomenal with your daughter. Mm-hmm. And now y'all have a daughter, you know, coming along and it's just beautiful. So, you know, we always empower single females that you'll find love and you'll figure it out and it'll come. Mm -hmm. So I'm not speaking for men, but just because you are the example right now for those of you men who have children and are doing what you have to do to raise them, like you said, provide a support and love on them to get your education, to make a good life. There is a woman who is going to love you Mm -hmm. and she is going to see the king in you. And I think some women, you know, a lot of I'm the one when I see how my husband loved on his nieces and nephews, I was like, ooh, I like that. (laughs) You know, like, I, you know, we don't have children and, you know, but if he had a child, I don't don't think that would have scared me away from him because it's it's sexy, (laughs) you know, to see (laughs) see men loving on children because there's so many of us especially from low ACS backgrounds, from single parent homes who want that love, you know? So, yeah. So let's touch on something else that you, that you spoke about. And this is the idea that, you know, once you had your daughter, you knew you had to go back to school. So even with not having, you know, initially finished or maybe even being really motivated, why between going to school and maybe just going ahead and pursuing real estate, did you choose to go back to school? Back then I wasn't educated on real estate. You know, social media wasn't as big when I went back. So that's, you know, spring of 2009. There wasn't outlets out there to actually move real estate and go get your license. I wasn't educated on it. I didn't have anybody around me who was doing that. So I knew that my focus had to change. I knew that me going to school, okay, I know there's going to be opportunity when I'm done. You know, I could see that was a goal. I marked that as my goal. I said, hey, I'm gonna go back and get my degree. I started this. I need to finish it. So if I would have started back then, 
that would have been fine. But, you know, as you know, 2008 is when there was a depression, the market had crashed. So it wasn't a good time anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to, to school was the best option. Even when I took that time off, jobs were only paying so much. So I was like, nah, I have to get this. Let me go back, get this degree. At least I'll have the piece of paper and it'll be more doors opened up for me. Mm. So glad you said that. Because a lot of people think that the degree is automatic money. But you said it is the piece of paper. It's the qualifier. It's what you as a person, you know, what you do with it that matters. Nothing, I don't say nothing frustrates me more, but it can be extremely frustrating when people blame the institutions for what they didn't get. But I'm like, they are providing you with something, the resources, the knowledge, the the theory, access to internships even, but it's for you as a person to go get it. So I'm glad that you took that responsibility and you realized that you just needed that. That's real dope of you. People piss me off because they have this it's like a complex. They they feel entitled. You're not entitled just because you got a degree. You, what does your degree mean mm. more than the next degree? But what did you do in college while you were getting your degree? When I went back to Winston, my major was sports management. The, the program director was Dr. Felder. Man, this guy, he's from Mississippi. He went to Alcorn State. You know, he has degrees and everything, but he stayed on us. He's like, it's not what you do. It, it, it's It's not who you know. It's who knows you. I mean, we had mm. we had weekly meetings at five in the morning every week to be in the program. We had to do internships. We had to do volunteer stuff. I mean, it was like for sports management, if you're not doing something, you're never going to get a job in sports management. I mean, it's a tough industry. I mean, you're working long hours, but just the experience, it, it kind of molded your work ethic for the years to come. So there was a lot of people who their major didn't require internships or they weren't even doing internships. And I'm I'm just confused. I'm like, you're not doing internships? How are you going to get experience? How are these jobs going to know that you are capable of doing the job better than the next person who came from one of the PWI? How do they know that if they had never seen you work? All they're looking at is the name that's on that degree. So if you've done an internship and they know your face, they know your work ethic, then you have a leg up. A lot of people didn't want it and do that. They wanted their summers and they whatnot. But the people who did do the internships, you could see you know they're successful they have the work ethic that's far above others who just you know skated through college so that's the difference yeah word i think during the time i was in school i don't think i actually know that wasn't a summer i came home (laughs) (laughs) and uh that was just taking advantage of the opportunities where i was and realizing people were telling me this degree is only going to do so much it's a qualifier but you have to work the degree so i'm glad you know you and i both having been in these hbcu environments and having people who, who understood more than we did really pushed us to something greater that's that's really that's really dope too speaking of being pushed to something greater what motivates you well right now well my daughter has always been a motivation but now that i have a wife that depends on me i'm going to have another you know a daughter that depends on me and then the fact that you never know who's looking at you i mean i wake up and i self-motivate every day because going from working you know nine to five and you know what check you're getting every two weeks to now I have to, you know, like they say, you got to get it out the mud. You have to create something out of nothing. Mm. That's what motivates me. You just, you really got to get hungry as an entrepreneur. You have to get uncomfortable and being, you know, the company I was working with, they merged with another company. And of course, you know, when the company, when your company merged with another and your company is a minority company, layoffs are going to happen. So 
I was part of that layoff, but I already had a backup plan. I already had my real estate license. I already knew what I wanted to do. God just put me in a position to do it. I prayed for it, so I can't run from it. So he put me in a position to do it. And also what motivates me is just educating people. Educate people about what what is out there for them. A lot of people don't understand homeownership is a goal. It's an investment for your family. It's something to pass down. So what motivates me every day is just getting up, knowing that, you know, I have a family to, to take care of and knowing that there's people out there that I can help reach. Especially I start from the inside out. My close friends, I start with my family, my close friends and friends of their friends. And it just, you know, it just spreads out from there. There's a lot of free knowledge out here that people don't want to, they don't want to take the time to ask and get. They'll ask me anything. They'll ask me, they'll ask you what are the directions to here? What, what time's the club open? What's the dress code? They're not going to ask you stuff that's going to benefit them in life. Mm. You know, I don't know if you realize it. But what I keep hearing you say is your life is your responsibility. Yes. Because let me just go back and even say thank you for all the transparency you're giving us today. Back from talking about, you know, custody to even talking about being laid off. Because these aren't just small things, right? These are major, very impactful things that are happening. So thank you for sharing that you were even laid off. Though it would happen, you know, by way of a company consolidation, that's still a lot to carry because here you are, again, a black man, because we know the weight uh, of the world, in my opinion, right now is is really focused, highlighted on black men because, you know, getting ahead and, and, and getting along. But for you to say I got laid off, but I had a plan. Some people don't have a plan. When did you come up with your plan? That's that's what I'm curious to know, too. It's funny. So in 2010, I was when I moved to Raleigh after I finished 2011. I'm sorry. 2011, I moved to Raleigh after I finished. I finished college. My mother had already moved to Raleigh. So I went up there and, you know, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a job set up. I worked at this hotel at the hotel. I would drive people to the airport. I would set up the conference rooms and I met this owner of this real estate school. Name is Bill Gallagher. I would set up their room every weekend. And then he was talking to me about real estate. He was like, I think you, you would do well. I was like, OK, little did I know, you know, years later that I was I would go and, you know, study at this school and just go ahead and pass everything the first time. But I should have started back then. But it got to a point where I was just like, you know what? I need to stop talking about this and saying next year, next year, I'm going to do this. Next year, I'm going to do that and just do it. And so that's what I did. I just went ahead and did it, got it out the way. I did it before I got married because I knew after that I wasn't going to have time. So I, I had, you know, I just it was a window. It was a window <laughs> of opportunity. Where I was like, all right, let's just go ahead and just get this done and just see where it goes from there. Not worry about it. Just get it done. And so, you know, when the layoff happened, I, I try to be as optimistic as possible because your mindset controls how you think. It controls everything about your life. I mean, you know, life is 10% yes. of what happens to you, 90% of how you react to it. You always yes. react thinking about, oh, what if being sorry for yourself? How are you having time in your mind to think about a plan or think about, okay, well, that frees me up to do this. That frees me up to achieve that. It's all about your mindset. Mm. Speaking of mindset, what advice has someone given you over the course of your life that has really changed your mindset, your way of living and being? Not even advice that someone's given me, but just life in general. You know, I mean, you know best, you know, when you look around you, you know, my dad passed one year, then grandmother, she passed the next year. And then two years later, great grandmother passed. So just looking at life, life is short, you know, mm. um, you know best. I mean, it kind of the glue, the glue kind of came off on family bonds all when all those things happened. But, you know, life is short and you need to cherish 
and appreciate your family that's around you. That's your tribe. And it's beyond me to try to destroy my tribe because, you know, what other tribe is going to really take you in? You have to think about stuff like that. You know, people get caught up in these materials and everything else. But, you know, focus on your tribe and build, build your bond with your tribe, which is your family, your close friends. And I feel like life will just be easier for you when you're not so negative. You know, you're positive about things. You got to see the silver lining. Life is just easier when you wake up every morning, you know, do your daily affirmations, read, you know, if you want to read the Bible, read your Bible scriptures, do your daily devotions, but do something that's going to get you going in the mornings instead of, you know, I'm thankful that I lost my job because Monday mornings are no problem for me now. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Monday. Right. <laughs> you know, I used to be like, dang, dang, the weekend went by too quick. Monday here already? Nope. Monday's are good for me. So, you know, that's the best. Yeah. Every day every is the weekend. Every day feels like every day feels like Friday. That's the best day of the week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You mentioned reading. Is there anything that you're reading right now? Right now, I'm more or less listening to podcasts. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, what you listening to? There's a few money podcasts. There's a the Black Wall Street podcast I'm listening to. I follow these brothers on um, on Instagram, so I kind of listen to their podcast. I need to get rich dad poor dad. I haven't even read that yet. Far as book, oh my I've gosh, heard. That's so good. I've heard. Definitely a favorite. I've heard. So really, it's just it's wealth building. It's money podcast a lot of those i listen to the steve harvey's um his podcast when he has his daily inspiration so i think that's the way now i'm always driving around so it's just it's just more convenient (laughs) but nothing can substitute having a good book so yeah uh if you have any suggestions you know throw me some suggestions of some books i need to get you know i'll definitely get them definitely rich dad poor dad and that you brought that up you know robert kiyosaki is really big in in real estate and mm-hmm. real estate investing which is actually I and mean, i'll talk to you about some more books as well but you got me excited because i'm like oh yeah we need to talk about real estate because that's your yeah. your your baby and i don't want to get you off of this interview <laughs> without you know getting the people fed on real estate because it's it's your your bread and butter it's your lifeline it's, it's the things that makes you what you i mean save the real yep. estate.com yep. i was like this is so cool please talk to us yeah let me make sure my my tripping i'm not tripping you are my first full real estate person and so i would you know love to hear from you though why do we especially as first gens why do we need to be either investing in real estate or buying houses or doing something in this industry to build wealth because that's how the rich get richer real estate think about it Mm. think about owning an apartment building with 20 units that's rent from each unit, depending on the area. You can get what twelve hundred dollars. Let's think about. Let's just take Charlotte. You get an apartment building in University. If, if there's one that's available like that, you can charge rent what twelve hundred dollars for twenty units. Come on, you're making a lot of money. And I mean, even just for yourself, um, a lot of people don't know. It's just when you go to college, you can go to college, and when you're trying to get a mortgage, you need two years work history. But if you go to college, you can use your college experience as your work history. You don't need an additional two years. So take wait. What? What? Yes, yes. You, you can take your refund checks, put them up, put them in a savings, go get a, a state employee's account. You know, as a as a state college student, you can get a state employee's account. You're, you don't have to have family members. Get get that. Put your put your refund checks up in your savings so they can get better interest. Then when you're ready to get out of school, you know where you want to be or you want you know where you want to live. Start off with a townhome. You can even start investing and flipping. But really, it's just, you know, just start educating yourself on what you want to do and then make a plan. Set out a plan, a plan for it. But, you know, it doesn't make sense to keep paying rent when the rent is not going to help you. You're paying somebody else's mortgage at the end of the day. 
So what do you say to somebody, though, who doesn't want a house? They just don't want to own a house. They see no point in it. Is there anything you'd say to them to even try to convince them to think differently? It just depends on where they're at in life. And now there's people like that. There's people who they, they move around a lot. You know, if they're a traveling nurse, they may get a contract for this city or this state and move around. So, yeah, owning a house won't make sense for them. But why don't they just use it as an investment? If they have a townhome mm. in, a, in their main state, why don't they just, hey, stage it up, rent it, rent it out. You'll still be making money off of that property. And then you can still go rent apartments, no problem. I mean, there's people who don't want to own anything. There's people who don't want that responsibility for the upkeep, you know, and that's understandable. Nobody's telling you, nobody's forcing you, but you don't have to live in it. Why don't you rent it out and make some money off of it, you know, at the end of the day, but make your money work for you in some kind of way. You don't have to own a home, but there's other ways to invest in real estate. You can invest in in a team who they rehab and flip properties. You can use that as your investment. If you have an IRA, you can be a hard money loaner to somebody who's trying to flip property. So there's different ways. And what, what happens is you can get 70% the um, the value of what the home would be returned to you. It's just different ways that you can invest in real estate. I mean, there's not one way, but I feel like the road to wealth leads with the real estate. It begins with the real estate. Mm. So what have you noticed in your work that are or have been some of the biggest challenges for people trying to buy homes or trying to get a real estate investment, what's keeping them from being able to do so successfully? I mean, the main thing is that's keeping them is debt. Um, you want to look at, you know, debt, credit mm-hmm. scores. Yes, you can start with a 580. Do you want to? No, because you're going to get these predatory loans and that's just going to end up having higher interest on you. So, you know, knock off some debt. And when we say debt, we mean money that you borrowed. So student loans, car, note, Medical bills don't count towards mortgages, mainly because you can go to the doctor today and they will send your stuff to collections tomorrow. That doesn't count towards getting a mortgage. I mean, it's real. (laughs) You know, cell phone bills don't count. You can get collections removed. There's a lot of credit repair people out here. They, they specialize. It's a process, but you need to, whatever you do, just trust the process and just talk to somebody who you feel that you trust, who's going to just explain it to you and educate you on it. Don't just get out here and just pick old somebody and you're not learning anything from the process because moving forward, how are you going to, how are you going to be able to help yourself? The goal is to be able to help yourself, but get to somebody who's going to teach you that process early on and who will answer the phone and actually talk to you. People who are, nobody's too busy. Everybody has time for something that they want. So get with someone who wants to help. Okay. And so on that note, what would you say would be some of the best advice you could give for finding a real estate agent or real estate investors for those people who are like, well, maybe I do want to learn more. Maybe I do want to buy a house now. What would you say to those people to even get started and thinking about finding a match and making sure that people are a good fit where to even look for somebody i mean if you're if if you're in charlotte area hit me up i'm licensed in north carolina and south carolina i don't just work charlotte i live in charlotte i work raleigh if not i could refer you to an agent so you can hit me up you know on instagram save s-a-b-e save the realtor that's my instagram name but i mean that's the best thing is to just get with an agent first because we will. We can refer you to anything that you need. We'll get you with a lender that we work with. You will want to work with an agent who has a lender already because communication is key. It's harder for me to do my job if you have a lender that I can't get in contact with or never answers their phone. But it's better if I have a lender that I work with, that I talk to on a daily. We can both work together to get you what you need. As far as investment, the first step is you want to start an LLC. That's the first thing you want to do. 
start an LLC. And that way, that's the only way you can get a hard money loan. And once you want to, and when you want to get a hard money loan, you want to have at least fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in the bank. Okay. But the reason for your LLC is it separates your business from yourself. Okay. Business from yourself. Also, when you want to work for yourself and you have your LLC, you can pay yourself out of your LLC and you can become a W-2. So that's tax benefits. You don't have to pay as many taxes at the end of the year. Having an LLC is super beneficial, especially if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, especially if you're just trying to work for yourself. And you, if you have a plan, there's, there's a ton of good attorneys out there that specialize in LLCs. And they'll tell you exactly what you need to do to get started. So those are two two avenues. You want to invest, get an LLC first. You want to start, you want to buy a house, talk to a real estate agent first. Mm, I'm over here raising the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, that's all throwback because I'm like, yeah, I am actually an LLC. And when I say I am, but I mean, my business is LLC, although I'm a single member LLC, but I noticed immediately the difference between being a sole proprietor, which I was for a year, and being LLC. It's just the the business structure and the legality of it. So I'm definitely with you on if you are out there and you're looking to start a business, LLC is the way to go. Even if it's just you, Mm -hmm. it's business. Handle your business. This conversation has been very rich for me. We've touched on so much, you know, the fatherhood thing, the family thing, the moving thing, the school thing, um, (laughs) and even real estate. I get excited talking now about things like this because like you, I have been waking up over the past several months um, more specifically because I'm learning that true wealth does come from investing, being an investor, uh, real estate, Mm -hmm. stock, all of it. But it's just a matter of, like I said, diversifying that portfolio. And so that's the path that I am on right now. But I want to give you an opportunity to share with us even more of your wisdom, sir. If you will tell us that one thought, that one piece of advice Whatever it may be that you want for us to carry with us for the rest of our life, what would that thing be? You need to have patience. Nothing happens overnight. And that's anything in your life. Whether you're working out and you want a different body, set a goal, put a date on it, and execute. Your plans will never come into fruition unless you take steps. Nothing happens overnight, so you need to take your time. You need to have patience but you need to do the work and you need to trust the process. Everything is a process through life. God didn't create the world in, in one day. Rome wasn't built in one day. Nothing happens immediately. So, you know, get out of this. A lot of people are in this thing of having instant gratification. No, just you want longevity and whatever that you're doing. So just trust the process, whether it's you're starting a business whether it's a process to own a home, whether it's uh, a process if you want to go back to school, you write a book. It doesn't matter what it is, but you know that you need to put it, put in legwork and behind the scenes and then watch it come into fruition later on in life. I can dig that. Thank you for that. Where on the Internet do you want folks to find you? The best place is Instagram. I'm always on there. I have no problem, you know, scheduling meetings to talk with you. You can also find me on Facebook, Sabian Colbreth, S-A-B-I-A-N-C-U-L-B-R-E-T-H. And then once again, Instagram is Save the Realtor, S-A-B-E, the Realtor, R-E-A-L-T-O-R. 
Awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to make sure that I drop that information in the show notes. So those of you, especially in the 704 area, if you're trying to connect with somebody who's amazing and just a good person, because it matters that not only do you have representation, but people who are generally good people. And I ain't just saying it because he's family. <laughs> you know, he used to buy me shoes on my birthday. <laughs> uh, so I, like, so I, I know you got good. You have such a big heart, such a, such a big heart, but say, man, look, so incredible. You are so grateful. I am to continue to have you in my life. So proud of you for the man that you have become. Because I remember when you was a boy. <laughs> you know, we both know. I was a knucklehead. I remember when you was a boy, but man, so many good memories, so many good times. And to see your evolution and to see even how you and your group of friends have evolved, it is just a beautiful thing. So thank you for being a part of the First Gen Lounge. Thank you for being a part of this Black Mill series that we're running for this month and just pouring your wisdom, you know, to other folks to just continue to grow and be inspired and empowering all they do. Wishing you well, sir and all that lies ahead and know that we got your back. Hey, it's awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. I'm proud of you too. You know, you're reaching everybody, but you're living in your purpose. Hence, hence your name, mm-hmm. but you're living in your purpose. And um, I'm glad to see the growth in you as well. Oh man, don't you start me today. I appreciate you. <laughs> all right, till next time. Did you go mm, at any point doing this show? Like you felt that, like it hit you? If so, that's a sign that you ought to go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Then share with all your friends, co-workers, uncles, aunts, cousins, grandmas, exes, everybody, okay? And if you like more resources to stay inspired, empowered, and uplifted as you navigate this journey of life, I want to invite you to join the First Gen family where I share only through email exclusive insights, updates, and giveaways. You can do that by heading over to www.thepurposeprofessor.com forward slash family. I've actually dropped a link in the show notes to just make it easy for you to get there. Until next time, don't forget to be resilient, authentic, and intentional in all that you do. And no matter what, keep pressing forward. I love you. Peace.